Hey, listener, Zach Harper here. Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy sports. Also, fastest growing fantasy app in the industry. Here's how it works. The Pick'em Game. Pick whether your favorite players will have a higher or lower stat total in this week's game for a chance to win big. How big, you ask? I'm so glad you asked that question, listener. You can win up to 100 times your money in a single night. Pick between two and five players. Build a pick'em entry. You can also do rivals picks. You can put like Tyrese Halliburton and Jalen Brunson against each other. And whoever has more points, more assists, more rebounds, whatever you want to do, that is your rivals pick. I would maybe go with Jalen Brunson in these playoffs. By the way, in the regular season, Jalen Brunson scoring tear, going higher on his point totals all the time. Joel Embiid, whenever he did actually play, higher on his scoring totals all the time. Victor Wembanyama for the next 15, 20 years. Here's a pro tip for you. Take higher on the blocks. That's right. So you're probably wondering, how do you sign up? Oh my God, listener, you are full of good questions today. Sign up with the promo code DING, that's D-I-N-G, to claim your special pick First time deposit offer up to $250 in bonus cash. $250, man, that's a lot. Visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the app store. And don't forget to register with our code DING, D-I-N-G, to claim your special pick and first time deposit offer up to $250 in bonus cash. Must be 18 or older, 21 or older in Massachusetts, Arizona, 19 or older in Alabama and Nebraska, and present in a state where Underdog Fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.ncpgambling.org. Arizona, 1-800-NEXT-STEP. That's 1-800-639-8783. Or text next step. To five three three four two New York, call the twenty four seven Hope Line at one eight seven seven eight Hope and Y or text Hope and Y four six seven three six nine. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week. You can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Welcome back to another episode of Growing Up the Same. I'm your host, Trevon Edwards, always joined by my co-host, Jason Madison. And we got a special guest today, Adam Lefko. Glad I I didn't mess that up. What's up, brother? Yeah, it was perfect. Yeah, good practice. Man, I'm good. I'm happy to be talking to you guys. I just had some bourbon. Uh, and I'm, man, we're ready to have a good evening. Wonderful. I love it. Adam Lefko is an American sportscaster and reporter. He's the host on NBA on TNT Tuesdays and the Lefko Show on Bleacher Report. Adam, this is the one or the two. You ready? Okay. American Adam is ready. <laughs> I love it. Twitter or Instagram? Mm, I would say right now Instagram. Napster or LimeWire? Ooh. Napster was my original, my first Ja Rule Holla Holla first song ever downloaded. 
if you said bear share, I would have thought about it, but I'm going Napster. Over or under? Over. Life is too short to take the under. <laughs> exactly. Shout out to Big Cat. Uh, the yeah, dog it's big time for Big Cat. <laughs> the dog or the favorite? Uh, the dog. You can make more money betting on the dog. Um, parlays or solo plays? Mm, parlays. You're just tapping into like my degenerate nature right now and all the long shots that I take. Yeah, I love it. Mahomes or Brady? Mahomes. Patty. Most talented dude to ever play the position. And I, uh, yeah, because I would rather watch Mahomes than Brady. Agreed. Backstage or fade to black? <sighs> fade to black. Yeah. Fade to black. I'm I just, gotta, I got a perfect place in my heart for backstage, but I, I, I agree with you. Fade to black is a better mm. movie. Um, Kelsey or Kittle? Kelsey. And I love them both, but I'm going with my guy. I don't think people realize that Mahomes and Kelsey could go down as like the best quarterback tight end duo ever. And it's like, who are they up against? Tony Gonzalez and Trent Green? <laughs> right. I'm shouting out. I'm missing a lot of people. Yeah, no, obviously Gates and uh, Rivers. Philip Rivers? Yeah. I'd rather have Mahomes and Kelsey than that. Yeah, no, you're right. <laughs> um, Kelly in Vegas or Minty Betts? Ooh, I'm riding with Kelly in Vegas. You got to yeah. support the squad. For sure. Shaq or Chuck? Wow. I'm going, I'm going Uncle Chuck. Even though Shaq is, is my teammate, uh, damn, that's hard. I don't know. Chuck, Chuck hugs, hugs my fiance in a way in which I believe that it is. Damn, they're both great. But I'm taking Chuck. <laughs> it's tough. Uh, Jim Rome or Coward? I am going to go. Um, wow. The reason I am taking Jim Rome is because when I think of Jim Rome, I think about my first job uh, out of college, which was in Nebraska, and I was a news reporter. And the only sports radio that was ever on was Jim Rome. And so when I would be in the car for like two hours to cover like a house fire, I would just hear this radio show and I was like fascinated. So I'm going to go Jim Rome. Yeah, he's definitely the OG. Am I um, talking too long? Should this be fi like faster? <laughs> nah, nah. <laughs> Dan and Stu or Boomer and Carton? Dan and Stu. Like not even, not even a, a debate. Like yeah. that, like... Like, that was actually insulting to Dan and Stu. That I'm glad insulting. you said that. <laughs> yeah, come on. I also got into, like, an argument in the third episode ever of Sims and Lefko with Carton, and yeah. she just roasted me for 45 minutes. And so there's yeah. always a part of me that's like, meh, I'll yeah. go Levitard. No, nah, for sure. I mean, you know, they have, they have just a very great, unique dynamic, you know, and it's it's – you could tell it's like a marriage versus like they just put these two guys together. But I, I didn't know if you had like a close bias, you know? Oh, no. But I would just say that Levitard and Stu is like, um, I mean, that's like Carson and Ed McMahon. 
Like right, exactly. Dan, exactly. Dan Lebetard, like has now been a fixture on that network for like two decades. And, yep. and what they have done, the craziness they have done is like Howard Stern type of stuff. And I don't know. I, I feel like Levitard needs to be talked more about the institution that he is and the opportunities that he's given people. And like, yeah. just look at the people that he surrounds himself with. Name yeah. a bad person in the group. I don't know a single one. They're all like great people at every level. Yeah, we, we got to give Dan his flowers. Um, Bob Costner or Marv Albert? I, because of just watching The Last Dance, I, did, I forgot how smooth Bob Costas was. The thing about Bob Costas is I feel like the last time we all really talked about him was when he got pink eye at the Olympics. And the true thing is, is that the man was Ryan Seacrest before Ryan Seacrest. Like, Bob Costas was smooth as silk. The way he'd hold the microphone a little bit to the side, and yep. he never messed up. Bob Costas was the boy wonder. I'm going to go to Costas all day. Uh, Beanie Siegel or Meek Mill? Um, oh, you went Philly Philly on me. Um, Beanie Siegel. Okay. Jordan threes or fours? Uh, uh, my, my first ever purchase when I had enough money to go to like a, a like a, a stadium goods was a Jordan four. And the, it's something about that triangle piece in the back that really connects the shoe for me that when I look at the threes, I, I feel as though I'm missing it, but uh, I know Tinker Hatfield and the threes, but I'm, I'm a four guy. Yeah, I feel like that's where Jordans took the quantum leap. Like the three is like very much 80s old school and the four is when it just, it went to a whole nother like space. Three, threes was a game changer though. It's, um, yeah. it's funny, like when I, right now everybody's talking about Jordan versus LeBron, which they're always talking about. And then people start talking about eras, but I feel like there's going to be that part of, uh, I hate, uh, there's something with that shoe culture where that was such a shift. Uh, and I, yep. I've watched so many docs about that and like Tinker's whole process, but uh, I'm a four guy. Um, blueprint or reasonable doubt? Oh, reasonable doubt. The first time I heard 22 twos, I was like, this is, this should be up there with Walt Whitman and, <laughs> uh, and all that crap. Uh, I think that, I was, I was just like Blueprint, um, Black Album. Like those were mind shifters too, where I was like, I'd never heard sounds like this. But to me, the sounds on Reasonable Doubt, that and like Illmatic takes me to a time. It's just like there, there's like a granular sound in the back where it sounds like it's yeah. on vinyl. And yeah. I don't know. I feel like I'm in the subway when I listen to that. And it's just uh, that, that to me is just like 90s and I love it. Yeah, the first time I heard 22 Twos was actually on backstage when he used to perform mm -hmm. that in Jigga What, Jigga Who. He would perform that verse on top of that beat. And I was like, wait, what? And, I, you know, I was a kid, so I was just like, oh, let me go back and listen to this old Jay-Z. And then I was, like, blown away, obviously. Oh, old Jay-Z. I remember I used to be like, do you know who Jay-Z took his name from? Jazz-O, like that whole. I, I had a moment 
Um, so my fiance is the largest Jay-Z fan I've ever met in my entire life. And we went to a concert. Um, I forget where it was, somewhere in Queens. And it was outdoor. And we were really, we had been drinking all day. And we go there and she has an all pink Jay-Z retro jacket that she got at some pop-up shop. And my, she's like 5'10". And I had her on my shoulders and she's lifting up the jacket. And in the middle of Jay-Z's performance, he, he's, <laughs> and he like looks over and he goes, hey, make a, make a circle around that dude with the pink Jay-Z jacket. And we <laughs> were so messed up that we are looking at each other and the whole crowd just separated and they just <laughs> moved back. And we were so messed up that we thought we were about to get beamed up to like this Beyonce spaceship to hang out with him after the show. Yeah. Uh, but really all he was doing was about to play that Linkin Park song. And he was like, make a mosh pit around We survived, but that we really were like. I remember my fans. I looked at me and I was like, "We're gonna have brunch with Jay Z and Beyonce." <laughs> like that's where my brain went to immediately. Yeah. Uh, but Jay Z, when he drops a new album, lights off, roll up something, and just because it's it's a big moment in the household. It really. Uh, I think that's amazing. <laughs> uh, Infinity War Endgame. Let me just make sure. Infinity War is the one where the snap. Yes. And Endgame was the end. Yeah. Um, Infinity War. Yeah. Because um, I love leaving a movie theater going, what the hell just happened? Exactly. There's, there's something about, I don't know if it's considered the American ending where there's like hope and everybody's happy that I'm kind of done with. And I'm not saying that I'm, I'm cynical and I'm not saying that I want to see darkness, but we knew there was going to be another movie. So I wasn't sitting there being like, oh no. But to, to listen to people coming out of the theater in shock, I had an experience that I had experienced round of applause like no lie when the portals opened yeah. up, that was an incredible moment, but right. leaving the theater with people going, what the hell just happened was you don't get that a lot. No, you don't. And it's funny because of all of the people who I would talk to that weren't Marvel fans or like superhero movie fans, you know, they would always be like, Oh, I don't want to go see those movies. You know, they're all in the same, it's all the same story. And I was like, well, actually, <laughs> mm. if you saw the last one, you wouldn't be saying that. But uh, yeah, so I my agree. fiance falls asleep at every movie, every movie. Uh, and she, I, I, during Infinity War, I like nudged her, and I go, Black Panther. He just, oh man, I'm just realizing now that's awful. Damn. All right. And uh, R.I.P. For real, for real. Um, and I did that, and she she leaned up and she went, what? the fuck and then like lean back and went back asleep but yeah. damn i can't believe i just that's wild man yeah. too soon r.i.p yeah Ugh. 2020 has been a hell of a year man that's all hell of a year what the hell what the hell is going on um borat or ali g oh ali g borat borat always was like that was like kind of tom green like ali g 
uh, when he was doing the interviews, like that to me was the daily show before the daily show where he would sit down with real like English bureaucrats and they, they would have no idea. Like I, I, I loved LEG. Happy Gilmore or Waterboy? Waterboy. I'm going to go Waterboy. Scotch or tequila? Tequila, hands down. Only one that you, you feel good the next day. Introvert or extrovert? Oof. I, I think that I've always said that I'm an extrovert, but I think as I'm getting older, I'm becoming an introvert, so I'm going to rock with introvert. Would you rather have a cluttered desk or a cluttered head? Clut or cluttered head? Yeah, like cluttered mind. Oh, come on, a, cl a cluttered desk. We're Some people are all of it in the trash. <laughs> Yeah. Internet or TV? Uh, internet. That's that's actually a very that's an existential question for me. Yeah. <laughs> um, would you rather be in the NBA for ten seasons as a role player or in the NFL for five seasons as a superstar? Hmm. I know this isn't a follow up question game, but what position am I in the NFL? You're a quarterback. Just imagine you're Charlie Ward. Then a quarterback. Yeah. Charlie Ward? Charlie Ward was not phenomenal for five seasons. Um, I'm saying the, the concept would have been if he would have played in the, in the right, NFL. Right. He was a Heisman level guy, whatever, you know. Mm. I think that it's – I think that if you're asking financially, you take the basketball player. But I think right. if you're talking about legacy, there's this thing with the NFL where we actually love players whose careers are shortened even more because it's almost it becomes, yeah. the, it becomes the potential discussion. The Terrell Davis plays for six years. Um, Gail right. Sayers. Um, it's, it's like it, it, I've always said that when a player enters the league, as soon as they step on the court, it's not about how far they go. They actually lose potential. Like before LeBron ever stepped on a court, it was like he could be the greatest player of all time. And, right. and it, so for me, as you play, it's not about how much you gain, it's how little you lose from that ultimate potential. And that's why LeBron's so special because it's like he's kind of stayed the course. Um, but so, yeah, if I played like five or six years in the NFL and I'm a superstar quarterback and then it's over, oh, what could have been? That Lefko guy, man. <laughs> yeah, oh, no. exactly. <laughs> and then my last question is would you rather have a closet full of sneakers or a library full of books oh this is like that would you rather have dinner with jay-z or a million dollars <laughs> yeah. knowledge that you can take question so you're asking if i'm vain or if i value education um what I would do is, oh, this is easy. Uh, I would take the shoes, I would flip them, I would turn them into sports cards, I'd invest that, and then what I would do is, with half the flipping, I would buy Audible. Because like, I live in New York, and I need space, and this holds infinity books. So I'm doing that. Yeah. <laughs> Great answer. That was the one of the two. Thank you, Adam. I'm going to say this. I have done many rapid fires in my life. And that was one of the more enjoyable ones because there was thought in it. I think usually rapid fire is annoying because it's like Jordan LeBron and yeah. that one I enjoyed. So thank you. Thank you. <All right. I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome right. back. 
anytime, anytime I, anytime I, I, I have to follow up on Jason, like it's, you know, I'm the, I'm the boring part of the pot, but uh, faith in you, man. it's all good, man. Let's talk about young Adam and his connection to stickball. Mm. So I grew up suburbs of Philly in this place called Bucks County, which now is like a mess. Uh, and I lived in a cul-de-sac. And so right across the street from me was, uh, I'm not going to say their last name. They were the kids that your parents would be like, they're a little bit rough. You got to be careful. But we would go out there and we would play stickball. And so it'd be me and my brother, those two guys. And I would always be the Seattle Mariners. So I'm either, I'm either pitching as Randy Johnson or I'm batting as King Griffey Jr. And, um, man, I just think about the amount of time spent there playing. And that was, I mean, that was the best time of your life. When you really look back at it and you're like craving more daylight, I don't think life gets better than that time. Yeah. My, uh, street ball, stick ball, um, situation. We had this church parking lot that had a gate that can close. Mm. And then what we would do is, you know, I think we used frisbees as plates, which is kind of like creative. Yeah. Um, but if you knock it over the gate, that was considered a home run. And mm-hmm. the thing was, like, it wasn't like a sandlot situation where we got to deal with a dog, but we had to deal with oncoming traffic. He shoots his It's like if it goes over that gate, then it bounces into the main street, which was Palmer um, in Compton. So, you know, that got my hand eye coordination ready. And um, I don't know. It it was fun. It was fun times, though, because at that time I was very experimental with sports. So I was playing everything from soccer to everything. Yeah. you, You know, when you when you really when you really think about it in that standpoint, man, it was just it was just so fun. It was you didn't have to worry about anything. And all, every kid was just, you know, if you're sorry, you're sorry. So what? You know what I mean? Because by the time I got to high school, I was not nice in baseball. I went out for the baseball team. Um, it was language barrier, for one. And then secondly, my hand-eye coordination that I thought I had was not there anymore. No yeah, I was just swinging. That, happened to me. that was a really sad moment in my life where I stood up and I remember the pitcher. His name was Jason. And I remember he was throwing it and I wasn't picking it up quick enough. And I was like, I was like, if I'm swinging, I'm trying to get lucky. And if he throws a bad pitch, he's about to hit me in the face. And I was like, this baseball stuff is not for me anymore. I'm going to play basketball because I can, I can control that. Did did you guys ever play with uh, like a, like a lemon or, um, oranges like an orange tree or a lemon tree and just bust them up all day, all afternoon just mm. picking them off and just trying to sw- swing out we used to do that in the backyard sometimes just oh. have like whatever, whatever little thing we could get off the tree a kumquat a, a, a little lime or whatever because we didn't have no balls we was just throwing them at whatever little stick object we could have until it until they all busted <laughs> we had to just pick them up at the end of the day. yo i, yo, I was pulling up those, yo, what were you getting now I was saying I was pulling up with this jumbo bat. It was crazy plastic. I felt like the bigger the bat, the harder like I'm just gonna rope it. 
the way it would make yes. like a crushing noise, like crack. But the balls would never go anywhere, bro. Like I'm really swinging this like Fisher Price bat. Like it was crazy. I'm crazy old too. Like I'm like 12, 13. Like yo, let me see this. Like acting like the the because it was like crazy shape too, like cartoony where like it has like the small handle and was then it, it yellow too. It was like blue, but it was like okay. so wild. Like and I'm just like I'm doing all this and. And I'm knocking it. Mine's going to sound like I'm 55 years old. We would take the the wooden part of a big sweeping broom and oh, unscrew yeah. it. And For that sure. was our bat. And then our balls would be a mix of either like these pink racket balls that we would like find in our parents, like tennis balls or whatever. Or when you would go uh, to literally any restaurant, pizza hut, movie renting place, and you'd get those super balls for a quarter uh, and it would come down like those were, cause if, and, and the, the, the goal really was is nobody wants to lose the ball, but if you're the one that hit it so far that you lost it, you're a God. And, that, and so everybody was upset at the person that lost it, except for the person that hit it so far. That was the goal. All right, moving Shit, on. That was a good time. Yeah, nah, definitely. I, sometimes I wish I can go back and play just because, you know, it wasn't a care in the world. I mean, you stayed out till you know, obviously, till the streetlights came on. Um, what's your connection with Madden? So I, towards, towards high school, uh that's when i really started picking up madden and then in college that was that was honestly my way of making money to go to the bars i had gotten so good at madden in my senior year of high school that i would go online until like five in the morning and i remember one night in the updated rankings i was top 100 I had just, I had figured out the route combinations that I could really take on anybody. And my mom, the only, I was at one point, 121 and nine. And the reason I had eight losses was that my mom had unplugged my internet and it was a force quit. I was at my freshman year of college at Syracuse. There was a tournament in my dorm at uh, Haven Hall. And in three games, I won by a combined score of 121 to three. And I played the championship game behind my back like this. And the dude kicked a 50-yard field goal at the end just to say that he scored. And so I would, after that, we would play rushing attack. And we would play a penny a point. And so if I beat you by, by 2,000 points, that would be bucks. And everybody like, oh, man, that's so – and then I would just – I would use Trung Candidate, if you remember him on the Rams, because he had a 97 speed, and I would just burn people. So I've, I've always had this connection with Madden. And then I would also say Madden got me a job at the NFL Network, an internship. Oh, see. Before my senior, before my senior year of college because I, I got an interview with NFL Films and then Network – and they were like, so would you be able to understand the difference between a cover two and a cover three zone? And I literally like blacked out. And I was like, are you talking about in like a cover two when like the corners press and they play in the flats? Or And the only reason that I knew any of that was because I played Madden all the time. And so that's when they were like, oh, you understand football. I have never played football in my life. I have never like... I've never sat down. I just played so much Madden that I understood the concepts and the rosters that it got me a job. 
And that was, so Madden always has a special place in my heart because of all that shit. So what Madden did you start playing first? I was playing Madden on the computer. So now if I really think about it, I'm ta- I think Eddie George was on the cover. So that might have been like 2000. Okay. Oh, so 99 or 2000. Yes. That, that and, then, and then I would say I reached peak Madden 2007. And, I'm gonna, and then once I got a job uh, in TV, I got rid of all video games. I haven't had video games since. I know this is crazy. I haven't had video games since 2009. Okay. Because... Bro, when you are making 18.5 living in Nebraska, you either play Madden all the time or you use that time to get out of an 18.5 job in Nebraska. Absolutely. And I, I just realized I was like, I was like, I am playing franchise mode all day. I was like, to, I'll just admit this, to, to get past it, I was like self-medicating. And I was like, this isn't going to help me get a job. And I... There are, do you know how many times I want to start a Twitch? Like, I think about that all the time. I was like, let me just start a Twitch and play Madden. I was like, I'll mess people up. But, but when, did, when did you stop playing competitively? Like, did you ever play any big tournaments other than at uh, Syracuse? No, nothing. I was always, like, from the time that I entered college, I was like, I'm going to have a job on TV. That's my job. And so uh, did I want to be on that ESPN show where they drove around in a van and competed? Yes. I was like, I was like, I could turn that into a television job. Um, but I played, I played one other at a bar one time. This dude came in in a full camo fit with a camo hat and a toothpick. And he didn't say anything the entire time. And I hit him with a spin move with McNabb on the sideline to where he just threw the toothpick. And I was, and that was like a defining moment of my life. I was like, <laughs> well, I'm an OG Madden player um, since 92. Actually, before the, mm. they actually added years. So the Sega cartridge used to have the little yellow cap on the side. And I was playing now, that. Well, I, did, I did have an earlier one, and I apologize for interrupting. I did have one, I think, in 98. 98 okay. was my first, and I think that was PlayStation. Because I remember okay. throwing to uh, Antonio Freeman. But I apologize for interrupting. Sorry about Shout that. Shout out to the Packers. They were, they were, they were hard back then, too. Oof. Everybody used to get them or the Broncos. But playing early on that John Madden football with no year on it, and then when you got to 92, they had the ambulance drive on the field and pick oh, up the hurt players just run over and run over people. Um, and then 95, I remember the commercial came out. They didn't have the name of the players. They just had the numbers because I don't think they had the license. And they had Dion's high step. They had just introduced that. And I begged my grandma, like, yo, can you get this Madden for me? Like, this is crazy. I think Dion was just fresh off the Niners because I used to be a Niners fan. That's crazy. I was a Niners fan for one year. I followed everywhere Deion Sanders went. I, was say, I, didn't know, I didn't know this about you, but you did yes. tell me you followed Deion. <laughs> yeah, so I followed Deion everywhere he went, right? And during my little sideline pop time when I was playing football, I used to put the bandana on, wear the, the diamond turfs, everything, sit down in a defensive stance like I was, you know, like Deion, and like I was nice but didn't have the footwork. But back to Sega. I got something for you. I already know you're about to show something I got something, something for you. What you got? Okay. There you go. This is a Deion Sanders 1989 rookie card. card. It is not considered his true rookie because the true rookie is just him with a Falcons hat and a jerry curl. But on this, he has two armbands, excuse me, two arm sleeves, 
four armbands, two towels, a bandana wrapped around his neck. He doesn't even have his chin strap done, and he's returning punts in the Red Falcons jersey. And I, I think that Deion Sanders, more people need to live their life like the way he was primetime. I don't understand sure. life living if you're not going to be primetime. So the fact that you're saying that, dude, I'm right there with you, man. Swag yeah. of a thousand. Yeah. yeah. Who, who, had, who had more swag on the field ever than Dion? Like wearing chains, like like you said, the chin strap off. and Everything. Like, everything. He, oh, my God. Like when he came to the Niners, dude, like, like Trey, like he's saying he was a Niners fan for a year. The Niners was already my team. But I knew like even then as a kid that they were like square. You know, like everything about them was still like square. So when he came over, Bill and, Walsh and Steve, yeah, Martin, I was just Bill like, Man and Jerry yeah. Rice. Even as I'm saying, Jerry Rice was the greatest receiver ever, but I knew he wasn't like cool. You know, I just knew he was really good. And they didn't like each other. Yeah, he wasn't like Jerry Rice. Not only the greatest wide receiver of all time, it's not even close in statistics. It's he's like it's like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar times ten. And yet Deion Sanders still goes there and walks up to him at practice and doesn't give a shit. And is like, I'm gonna lock you down right now. And that, that is Deion. Like, even when he was on the same team as Jerry, he's like, nah, I was, I was better than him. And that's, <laughs> that's just next level. Hey man, yeah. he, he was making it happen. They used to do that. Uh, I used to call the same play all the time. Our receiver in and around just to get to him. And then, um, but yeah, man, Dion. Dion was one of my favorite Niners of all time. Him and Ricky Waters. I like Ricky Waters too. Ricky Waters was oh, hard. Ricky Waters is a great, great Niner. They were he on the was, team this so, year in '94. He was a running back. And I'm an Eagles yeah. fan, and so we got oh, yeah, Ricky, Ricky Waters, Waters on right team. after that. Mm-hmm. And yep. <laughs> we had already gotten Ray Rhodes, who I think was also on the Niners. Yep. <laughs> um, to be our head coach. So he must have recruited Ricky Waters. Now that I think about it, we even had, but we flipped because I feel like we had Charlie Garner before you did. Yeah. And then you guys had T.O., of course. Oh, man. This is interesting. <laughs> Jeff Garcia. Yeah. 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 That's crazy. It's a nice little, nice little connection over there. But um, yeah, man, we could talk about Dion and the Niners all the time and Madden. Oh. But it was just so crazy. Uh, I wish I had it in all my stuff's packed away, but I have Dion. Dion Sanders has a do rag that he partnered with, and I have it. It's called a ragtail, though, and it's crazy. It's camouflaged. It has the packaging on it. It's like really. I don't know if it's ever going to be worth some money, but I'm holding on to it. It's it's, it's brand yeah. new. But yeah, it's nuts. It is it is sick. You know what I mean? And also, congratulations I mean, to Dion. Dion. Yeah, being a head coach of a college football team, and what's what's interesting is I saw. Um, a few people talking about that no Dion, they're like, this is something he's been talking about for a long, long time. And if if he can do what I saw in that opening press conference when he drove in, oh, if yeah. I mean, look, man, we're in a time where these coaches are trying to create social media accounts and they want to seem cool. And I see what like Penny Hardaway did at Memphis, and I'm like, look, man, Penny Hardaway was was amazing. And the thing that people will say about Penny is they'll go, oh, he was all-time underrated, needs to get more attention. Deion Sanders is the greatest cornerback that has ever played in the NFL. And as you guys are saying, I don't think there's a better character maybe that's ever played in the NFL. And 
if he goes to an HBCU, like here we were talking about a, a, um, a top NBA prospect going to an HBCU and what's that going to do? This is Deion Sanders. Like Deion Sanders is going to come in and be like, your son is a top defensive back. I am the best that has ever done it. And I will make sure, like, I, I really hope that it changes the scales and completely changes college sports. Because if there's one guy that has the, 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 the energy to do it, it's him. Yeah, yeah, I don't think there's a reason for it not to because of how uneven college sports is now, just with the two schools at the top and everybody else just kind of scrambling around. And then you look at the schools that were legacy schools, whether it be Miami or FSU and all these other colleges that have shitty programs now. And it's like, why wouldn't you try your hand at HBCU? Like, these schools aren't doing shit, you know? Yeah. Like – when I lived in, I lived in Louisville, Kentucky for three years, three and a half. And yeah, I lived in Nebraska too. So I experienced college football and then college basketball. And now that I'm doing more NBA and NFL, I look at colleges and like the coverage of it and the arguments and like the discussions that are had. And it's so clear to me that the, the athletes are not being cared for and we all know that and we all feel dirty about it. And it's like, it's this thing that we're just, okay, we're just going to let it keep happening. And the one conference that seems to have like the right way of treating athletes are the HBCUs. And so the one thing that they don't have are championships. And so maybe that would flip the conversation. You know, maybe, maybe, because we always say winning solves everything. Yeah. If those HBCU start winning national championships, like that would, I just think that might flip everything. Yeah, I agree. And if they have more than just like the Bayou Classic, which is like their big, you know, game, like they need more of those games, like how all the other schools have whatever, the Apple Cup and what have you, you know, like they need to have more event games in HBCUs. Well, I mean, it's 99 pros coming out of JSU too. So shout outs to to them. All right. Lastly, on uh, your three topics of childhood, burning CDs. So you mentioned that you were playing Madden on computers. Did you have a computer? I did. And this also goes back to the Napster where I just – think that was one of the most revolutionary moments in my life was getting a stack of CDRs and being able to put anything I want on it and then take it with me somewhere. Like those original CD players, uh, like before iPods and all that, like being able to download a song illegally, I'm admitting that now as well, uh, and then also like burning CDs for people, getting a burnt CD. Like if somebody made you a CD, that was like the greatest sign of friendship in your life. Now, when DVD rewritables came out, I was like, this has gone too far. Uh, but I don't know. I just thought people that had booklets of CDs in their cars were so much cooler than me. Because uh, I didn't have a car or CDs. And then people that would just have like those reckless, uh, those tubes next to their, to their desk, to their gateway that had just stacks of CDs ready to be burned whenever. Um, and then I think about people that had DVD collections. Man, they invested in the wrong tech. But uh, <laughs> I don't I know, man. That, that to me was just like, 
You had you had tons. Oh yeah, no, I I but I was I was a car carrier member of both sides. So I had I had over two hundred DVDs when I went to college. Like I had literally mm-hmm. bought everything. You know, I was at I was the guy at Best Buy who's buying everything out the five ninety nine bin. Also, I'm buying all the new stuff that comes out. But I'm also at home burning every every new song for free. You know what I'm saying? Selling CDs to people. Like that was my hustle in high school was selling CDs. So we was talking about the blueprint earlier. I re- yeah. I mean, obviously it came out on September 11th. So who could ever forget that? But I remember mm-hmm. going to school that day with a backpack full of Fabulous and Jay-Z CDs that I had burned at home. Because they both the- dropped that week. Yeah, they both dropped that day. I, I literally my back. I would have been someone buying it. Yeah, exactly. And I was like, I know cats are finna buy these for five bucks. You know what I'm saying? I'm gonna leave school with like seventy five bucks at least. You know, and that was just my hustle. Like every time something would come out, but like you said, you, I would burn a mix CD, or I would find some new songs, some new corrupt, or you know, Rockefeller, whoever freestyles. Remember they used to freestyle on Funk Flex. I would burn that on the CD. I was gonna say. My favorite burnt CD that someone ever gave me was a CD of instrumentals. Mm-hmm. And it was just like 10 to 12 instrumentals that you put on and that I'm driving around with my friends and we're all, we're all going, we're all taking a turn. And it's like, we're not, we're not listening to the radio. We're just putting on instrumentals and we're seeing who wins the car ride. But man, what's yeah, really funny fine. is, that, are you from New York originally? I'm from South Central Los Angeles. Man. And don't say that like that. My, <laughs> I wasn't like banging on him. He just asked me where I was from originally. Oh, no. Well, no, because <laughs> no, I'm a Jay Z fan. No, it's a lot of Jay Zness you probably heard come from me. But no, I'm I'm definitely like you know Tupac, Snoop Dogg, Dr. Dre through and through. But in in that era, Jay Z was the end all be all. In 2000 oh. to you know 2005, like he was. That's how my fiance talks about September 11th. People will be yeah. like, people will be like, what were you doing September 11th? And she was like, well, it dropped Jay-Z's album. So that's what I got. So that's why I wasn't sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I know what I was doing. I was in class. I was in chemistry class, 11th yep. grade. So English. You know, yep. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was just sitting there just like, oh, bro. But we're on, the, I'm in Compton. So like there was the push. There was back when the, um, the, the TVs were still on the um, rollers, when they roll the TVs. Oh, in. yeah. I had the same thing. Yeah, so when we peaked, I, I was am, like, oh I am Tupac God. number one. I am Tupac number one of all time. Yeah, of all time, without a doubt. And, and, and if you were like, Adam, what song do you feel is in your spirit as you live your life? It is I Get Around by Tupac. The way that Great I song. walk, the way that my oil energy is, it's something about the way he was just kind of bopping in the video. Yeah. I always want to live my life like I not live in the words. Not doing, not treating people like that, but just the spirit of I get around is like my favorite uh, song. Well, Adam, I'll say two things about that. One, like I, I, I tell Trey and everybody, it's like the best story of my life is meeting Tupac when I was a kid. And then, and then two is that song is actually my bio on Twitter. Just another black man caught up in the mix. That's my bio. <laughs> Just another black man caught up in the mix. I love that. I love that line. It's great. (laughs) He just, like, um, the thing that I always loved about Tupac, like, I feel like Biggie, and I'm, of course, you bring him up, Jordan, all that. But, like, Biggie would set new downbeats with his, like, tone. And Tupac, I feel like, just skipped over the beat. 
Yeah. Like it was as if somebody took words and just threw it on top of the water and it just like danced on it. Yeah. And I am, I am one of those dudes that like, if, if we were out, we were having a good time, I would know, but I, I'm not good with lyrics. Like I never hear people's words. Like I'll be like 10 years later be like, Oh, that's what he was saying. I'm listening to like the phonics of it. And I've just always thought that the sound of Tupac's voice is the most, it's like an instrument. And that's why he's always spoken to me because yeah, he skips over that song. Yeah, his voice is the quintessential rapper. A diamond voice. and nickel. Yeah, right. He, his, his voice, like Jay-Z is the best rapper and he's the best at doing it and making it poetic. And his voice is also incredible for a different reason, as is Nas's, as is Biggie's, as is Snoop's. But a rapper, if I want somebody to rap in like uh, the tunnel or, you know what I'm saying, anywhere and you a thousand feet away, you'd be like, that's pop. <laughs> like... Play that. Yeah. All right. What's the best lesson you learned in college? In college? Like while I was in college or while right you're while you while you were in college. All right. The first one that came to my mind, it is about my profession. Um the, the best lesson I learned was we had this class at Syracuse our senior year where like there was one day you had to put together a newscast. And so I'm going to go more professional than like parties and all that stuff. Um, and I remember that there was one class where I had to do weather and I was running all over the place all day. Cause I was like, I never want to do weather. I'm not interested in this. And so when it came time for me to do it, I'm outside, there's no teleprompter. And I just started making shit up. Like I'm out there and I'm going like Monday 55, that's going to be cold. Better bring a jacket or you are going to be cold as hell. And then I just kept going and my teacher never gave me compliments. He always told me that I was like faking it. He always told me that I was like, get, like, what is that voice? Like, who are you trying to be? And then after class, I was like, I know I'm sorry. And he goes, and he like waited till everybody left. He goes, Adam, what did you do? And I was like, man, I'm sorry. Like, I just kind of was making it up as I go. And he was like, do that every time. He was like, that was you and you need to do that. And I was like, yeah, but that wasn't professionally. He goes, forget professional. Nobody's trying to be professional. He was like, everybody's just trying to figure out to be themselves. And that like hit me in the chest that like, even now, if I'm getting ready to do like a really big broadcast of like a big moment, or if it's like a TV thing and your guts and your inside is like, come on, we're going to pretend to be 50 years old and we're going to be really professional. That message kind of comes back to me and it's like, just be you. And that, that was one that I learned that's kind of stuck with me for a long time. All right. Uh, when did you decide you wanted to get into broadcasting? I remember being in a Barnes and Noble looking at a list of like colleges. Oh no, that's not true. The, the real time I knew I wanted to get a broadcasting was when you were on the varsity basketball team and you would travel, you'd have to watch um, the JV team and then the girls varsity team play. And then you guys would play. And to pass the time I would do fake play by play. And I would be like, I'd be like, bad shoes, passes over to weird haircut, weird haircut over to stinky breath, buckets. And I would just have everybody else laughing. And I was like, this is what I want to do. 
I was like, I just want to talk about sports because I'm not going to be a professional athlete. And I was like, I either want to be an agent or I want to be a broadcaster. And when I, when I could just like make up stuff and people were laughing, I was like, this is what I want to do. All right. If you didn't have sports in your life, what do you think you would be doing? Something about helping people with mental health. I think it's either, either trying to get passing along meditation, um, trying to get people to pick up reading, like trying to just, uh, create groups where people can kind of feel safe and kind of open up. Um, cause I feel like, uh, sometimes in, in at least my profession and a lot of professions, when you're like talking on camera, it's a lot about you. Like I find myself going, man, I hope everybody else is okay. Cause like, I want to, I want to make content all the time that makes people happy. Like that's what I think about when I'm doing stuff. And so I would have to find another way to create happiness for people. Uh, because we can all do side hustles and we can all make money. I think that's the part of my job beyond like the recognition. It's when people hit you up and they're like, man, I had a lot of fun. I would want to keep creating that relationship somehow. All right. Or I'd be a bartender in Anguilla. Uh, that would, that would be fire live. Yeah. Just like be serving people, like work at a really high end hotel and then like go back to my like house and just live on that. That would be dope. <laughs> All right. Um, who's been your favorite person to interview? Um, I would put, uh, Martellus Bennett up there. Um, just because I never know where he's going to take me. Um, Barkley is always fun. Ernie Johnson uh, was really enjoyable. Um, Jonathan Abram on the Raiders. He's just someone that has no filter. And so that's always a great time. And then for me, like the author that really uh, bends my brain a lot, Ryan Holiday, uh, is someone that I talk to and I'm like, ah, oh, that makes sense. So those, those have been some that I've really enjoyed. Um, earlier we were talking about... Um you know, Dan and Stu and kind of just like duos in the radio. Um, you had a show with Chris Sims. I wanted to know, like, how did you build a relationship with him? And like, what do you think about the concept of a duo on the radio versus a solo act as like a sports host or commentator? We were assigned to kind of be together to do like 20 to 25 videos a day in early Bleacher Report where it was like, here's a video for Bucks fans. Here's a video for Giants fans. And the first time I met him was at a party. And I, for some reason, I think I had something to drink. I went up to him and I slapped him on the chest. And I was like, I hear you're the asshole that I'm partnered with. And so we kind of hit it off right away. Um, I, I think that when it's a true partnership where you respect each other and that you know that you're both working hard and there's like a real effort there that nobody wants to do anything by themselves. Like you really get the most out of yourself when there's someone else there pushing you uh, with him getting a chance to like really build stuff and to really understand what it was like to have a community. Um, but he was also the dude that after the third one was like, you're coming in here, you're drinking a beer. And I think you just walked around central park and, and smoked like you need to bring it together. And I needed that. Cause I was, I honestly, I think um, I was kind of taking some stuff for granted. Uh, but he tightened you up a little bit. 
Yeah, but also like name one person that's really killing it by themselves. Like Colin Cowherd as a thing, but he still has Joy Taylor there. He still has, you know, there's all these other people. It's Dan Lebatard as a team. Pat McAfee, yeah, right. he has a team. And I, and I think um, Howard Stern has a team. Jim Rome has a team. Dan Patrick has a team. You guys are a team. And right. uh, um, the, you're never going to win anything by yourself. Yeah. And so... I mean, yes, yeah. uh, Stephen A might be the only... When he's not on first take, you know, he has his LA. If Stephen record. A didn't have Max, he wouldn't be able to react the way he did, the way he does. Right. Yeah. You no, know? No, I agree. Um, how do you feel about the normalizing and legalization of gambling in America? Um, and do you think that's changed sports media and sports fandom? And do you think that's oh my going goodness. to... Do you think it's going to continue to change it exponentially, I guess, is the better question through... The next few years let's let's look at the companies that are going up on the stock market i think is a pretty easy way of looking yeah. at who is doing well financially yeah DraftKings is up double from when they started in in april or march uh fan is skyrocketing um, on my podcast, I am constantly reading advertisements for those companies. Uh, I know that yeah. FanDuel Pin just game. dropped some bags. Say it again. Pin gaming. So when I, when I look at who is bringing in a lot of money right now, it's all of the gambling websites. Um, because of that, all of the major media companies, I was on NBA on TNT. I read FanDuel. I had to give the, uh, I, I gave the odds to the NBA game on Tuesday night. Like, and I've always had a, a special place with gambling. The first match that was Tiger and Phil, I was getting lines before every hole. And I guess that had never really been done on a broadcast before. And I think that it worries me because it is not a game to be playing with money because most people do not understand bankroll management. And more importantly, if I'm just going to break it down, people can bet and bet and bet, but they're not, they don't have a book of their finances. And I don't think they're realizing how much they're losing. Um, but I would also say that from a someone that can look at lines and get entertainment without even betting the game, if I know that the bills are three point favorites and they're, they, they're up by one, that actually makes the game a little bit more entertaining for me, but I do worry about, and this is just me being really honest. A lot of the young kids that are in my DMS being like, who should I bet on tonight? And I'm like, I don't think you're 21. Um, but I, I don't think it's going away. I only think it's going to get more and, and, and bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, and I think it can be talked about in a healthy way and it can be entertaining, but uh, I'm not going to lie. It does. It does worry me a little bit. Right. Yeah. It seems it's like one of those things, I mean, like the internet or anything else, where it's like, it's cool now when you first get it, but you're like, there is a very dark, dark underbelly that's growing that we're not really addressing right now. And it's like, especially for people like us who are in, you know, media or sports media, it's like, it, well, it'll be good for our growth, but eventually, you know, once it becomes fully legal, there's going to be a lot of downside I, did you guys see social dilemma on netflix yeah yeah trey did you watch it talked about I haven't, how, I haven't seen it yet 
It's about um, you know how pervasive social media is now, and and how innocent it seemed before, and how all the heads of these companies are looking around and like, what did what addictive nature did we just bring on society? Where with notifications and stuff, they're not peeling away from their phone, and we're creating divisiveness because of algorithms. I, I look at gambling, and it's like, hey, this is this is all fun and stuff, and. I say this not as someone that's like, get off my lawn. I say this someone as who have friends that definitely have problems that like I'm in group chats and they're like, what's the line tonight? And I'm like, you don't have the funds to be betting right now. Right. And, and I see it. And so that I, mine is more of like me trying to talk to my friends and be like, y'all need to chill right now. Um, but yeah, it's it's a little Pandora's box, but that's why they prevented it for so long. But it is exciting and it is fun and it is paying for a lot of media people right now. Yep, nice. Uh, so the question that we normally ask to all our guests is, what advice would you give eighteen-year-old Adam? The yikes! By the way, <laughs> like <laughs> I feel bad now. I feel super square. <laughs> what what advice would you give your eighteen-year-old self? Um, okay. So I, I, there's this one book, uh, that I love. It's called, uh, not the art of war, but the war of art. And it's written by this guy, Stephen Pressfield. And, uh, he, he is somebody that chronicled, um, I think it was gates of fire, the battle of Thermopylae, where the Spartans beat the per or battle the Persians 300 was based on, but he had a line in his book that um, I, if I was 18, I would think about a lot. And it was, it is one thing to study war and another thing to live the warrior's life. And to me, I think when you're young, you look up to a lot of people and you're like, how can I ever get there? Um, and now when you get older, you just want to be like, just do the work. Like, don't, don't look up at a levitard or, and I would say this to younger people now too, where it's like, if you see the Nick Wrights and you're like, how do I do that? Or you see the big cats or you see, you know, like you guys, um, and, and you're sitting there and you're going, how, how, how can I ever achieve that? You just need to start doing it. And, and so that's what I would say to the 18 year old self where it's like, it's not a game. The quicker you start, the quicker you're going to get to where you want to go. Um, and it's, it's interesting because I think a lot of people take that the square method, which is like, don't go out, don't, live your life, like experience failure and all that. But if, if you're not out there doing it and you're just reading about it, you ain't going to do nothing. And, and so get out there, stop being on the sidelines uh, it's, it's real easy to, to boo or cheer from there, get in there and take it. And if somebody says you suck, like, all right, I'm coming back tomorrow. And then, cause I'm telling you when you flip their mindset and they're like, I don't know if you've ever gotten to this DM. I've gotten this DM where it's like, I used to think you were really annoying, but now I kind of fuck with you. Like when you get that message, that's one of those I, where you're like, I, I get those a lot you down. <laughs> Well, I also I also and get the point. Me, there's nothing sweeter. I I also get the, the they don't even do the DMs no more. <laughs> they just troll until I respond, and I'm just like, bro, you didn't have to go through that part. Like <laughs> it was an easier route. And and so that's what I'm saying is like, if you're afraid of the insults, and you're afraid of getting in there and taking it, 
Um, regret is the fucking worst, man. Don't like, don't let it sit in. And yeah. that, that's what I was saying to myself is like, anytime you're going, uh, oh, I want to do it, but it's an hour away. Go bro. Just go. Like, what are you going to do? Sit there and play Madden. That's what I would say to myself. There you go. There you go. No more Madden guys. Go do what you're going to supposed to do. Stop sitting. Unless on the you're going to be a professional Twitch Madden streamer. And then there you go. There you go. Exactly. Well, man, thank you so much for joining us, man. We had so much fun. We could have talked about Deion Sanders and the 49ers and, oh. and all these other cool things all day. But hopefully we can have you back on. How about man. this? I'm, I have I got a bunch of these, uh, and I'm waiting for them to come back. And when they come in, I'm going to send you one. Sweet. I don't, I don't know if you have any sports cars. I don't know if you're into it at all. I just got, I just got, I just got, I just got the big three cards right now. So, and I'm <laughs> – <laughs> they just supply me with some big three cards. I get I get really? stuff all the time, yeah. And I was just like, well, I'm not gonna turn it down. Shout out to Ice Cube, but you know, overall, like, yeah. yeah, yeah, I'm man. addicted right now. It's booming, bro. Oh yeah, no, nah, I'm gonna have to get into it, man. That's the thing. We've we've almost been turned this into a card podcast because all our guests, all our guests are all into trading cards. I was telling Trey we're gonna have to change the name to Trading Cards the same because everybody gets on here. Talking about how for they real, yeah, yeah, Pablo, uh, JJ Reddick, who else? Like a bunch of people got on really? here. Really? Yeah, yeah, Jake, Jake Wine. He Jake bought a bunch Wine. of he he bought a bunch of Ken Griffey stuff. Yeah, like yeah, guys are getting back into the stuff that they kind of put away a long time ago. I mean, because quarantine's kind of slowed nostalgia. stuff down. So yeah, nostalgia sales all the time. I mean, do you know what's really popping right now? I'll try and blow your mind. Sealed graded video games. Mm. Wow. You can go on and there you can get like a Street Fighter Super Nintendo in perfect condition, never opened, and people are paying five, ten grand. Yeah. Like because it's super fans. I mean, what right, you love right. is what you know right. near and dear to your heart to your heart because it's you, contemporary art. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. It, uh, look at look at what's behind you. It's Dennis Rodman, you know. And, and you're not going to, you're not going to go there and spend a bunch of money to get some artist that just so you can impress somebody. Like, I feel like our generation is a lot more left. Yeah. Like, like <laughs> Jordan dunking from the free throw line is art. Yeah. It is art. Like that is a moment that invokes emotion. That's what art does. It does not have to be a blurry painting of a lake. As I sit here with a picture <laughs> yeah. of a boat lost at sea. But, but I thought it was a bird from here. But. Yeah, I thought it was a bird too. <laughs> it's cool. Yeah. But behind there is Jay-Z on an airplane. There you go. But but I think that it's I'm, I'm <laughs> glad that we're the generation that's that's sitting there and going. I don't want to just collect things because you say it's cool. We're going to change what the definition of cool is, and that's what's going on with my wall. And that, that to me, is, is cool. Yeah. Well, man, once again, man, thank you. Time, man. Yeah, thanks, thank you. Thank you for making the time for us.